0: I think that uh, now I'm, like, unhinged. (laughs) Amazing. I feel so unhinged. I mean, like, from my, like, the things that I've experienced in terms of, like, assault and, like, even, like, bullying as a child and then, like, recently, like, through grief, it's like, oh, actually, like, I can just, like, really unhinge on stage. Like, Mm. if someone doesn't laugh at something, I'll just be, like, I'll just, I'm not, like, bullying the audience but I'll be like oh well of course you don't get it like I look out in the audience and all I see is white light yeah. <laughs> you all look like slices of beautiful wonder bread you know like just gotcha. like and it's like I have more fun and freedom to like play around with it hey, Brazil.
1: Brazil. <laughs> New
0: York I know you
1: Yeah Every morning. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of La Mescla. My name is Adrian Burke, uh, or if you're my mom, my name is Adrian Burke. I'm the creator and host of this program. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here. Hello to any new people who are listening to sh- the show and uh what's up to all the people who have been listening since the beginning. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here. Make sure to like, rate, review and subscribe and all that shit and follow me on Instagram in general uh validate me cuz I'm a comedian and we're a needy we're a needy species. Uh, Uh, Okay, let's stop doing whatever I'm doing right now and get into today's guest. Our guest today, and I'm so excited to have her here, is the amazing Artie Galapudi. Uh, Artie is a Brooklyn-based comedic performance artist. Uh, She got her master's in performance studies at NYU, because she's classy as hell. Uh, She hosts so many great shows all over the city, including Yourself, Your Body at Union Hall and uh, Boogie on the Brink at the Slipper Room. Uh, You can see her uh, touring uh, in uh, Handmaid's Tale the Musical, which has been all over the country. Uh, She writes and sells her own poetry, uh, and you can... uh, uh, read them at uh, uh, her Instagram handle Artie Farty Poems uh, And you can uh, actually buy her shit online. You can buy her book. Please buy her book I'll put the link to it uh, in the description to this episode uh, I'm so excited to have Artie here uh, and let's get into our conversation okay, beautiful. Wow <laughs> I truly, like, have never felt this professional in my entire life.
0: I feel like we're, like, on, um, like, AM radio.
1: It does feel like that. Yeah. It feels very frasier It does feel very <laughs> should do I, frasier Should we do Frasier? Should we do
0: Oh, man. I've only watched, like, two episodes of Frasier, so I don't think I can do it very I, good.
1: I haven't seen that much of it either. I used to, I went through a weird phase in college where I was, like, I love Cheers. Really? I'm really, really into Cheers. I watched every episode of where Cheers. Where did you go to school? Uh, BU.
0: Oh my God, I went to Berkeley College of Music. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, we
1: probably wa- walked past each other on the street. Yeah, probably. And I probably was like, wow, she's way cooler than I am.
0: Yeah, yeah I was with a bunch of people chain smoking cigarettes. The
1: Berkeley kids were like so much cooler. Yeah, they, they were are. very
0: cool. They called it like the Berkeley Beach in front of the main building because it was just full of cigarette ashes. <laughs> and so the ashes were like the sound.
1: How did you like going to school in Boston?
0: <sighs> I'm glad I went to undergrad there, mm-hmm. I think. Because I think when I was younger, I always wanted to like live in New York. Because um, I grew up in Jersey, okay. And so Where I in Jersey? I grew up in Central Jersey, so right outside of Princeton. Oh, okay, cool. So West Windsor, and uh, it's like a cool area because it's actually highly populated with Asian people. Hmm. Um, and like my dad's friends, we like all lived in the same town. I went to like high school with a bunch of people whose parents knew my parents from India. Nice, um, but. I used to like always come into the city to see shows with my older cousin and stuff like that. Like I was 13 and then he took me to see Sonic Youth.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Was was, that like your musical awakening?
0: Well, no, I was the one who like went up to him at his sister's wedding and was like, I'm going to go see this show. I really want to see this show. And you live in New York. And then he was like, Okay, I'll take you, whatever. Good for you. I was like,
1: (laughs) I was too chicken shit to ever ask for anything like that. Because I grew up just on the, I grew up in Yonkers. Oh, yeah, yeah, Just north of the city. So basically the same thing. Basically the same thing, yeah. Uh, And I was always too chicken, because I always had like family friends who lived in the city, but I was too chicken shit to go in as much as I should have.
0: I mean, I'm an abrasive person. So like, (laughs) (laughs) nobody should be like 13 or 14 (laughs) being like, I need to see Sonic Youth. And it was like at McCarran <laughs> Pool when it was a, it wasn't a public pool at the time. Okay, it was a venue, so you would like sit at the deep end of the pool, and the band would be playing. That's and, amazing. Yeah, and the IAS yeah 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 opened up for Sonic Youth.
1: That's fucking crazy. Yeah,
0: it was a, it was like such a funny weird thing, but yeah. Ever since then, I was like, I'm gonna live in New York, and then I ended up getting into Berkeley, and um, I was like, I don't I don't think I was like ready to move to New York at 18 mm-hmm. i think i would have done a lot of bad things because i think i grew up like very quote-unquote innocent mm-hmm. like i didn't really do a lot of drugs and like i didn't really drink a lot i didn't do a lot of like bad kid shit
1: okay
0: um so if i like so moved if you to, moved
1: you probably would've i would have just
0: died like nose dived in and when i say nose dived in i mean like in all the drug senses yeah. as well yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas like Boston is a little bit softer mm-hmm. and I didn't feel as much pressure to do that kind of crap. It
1: does it I kind of I feel similarly like Boston kind of feels like a no shade to Boston but like kind of like What's
0: kind of it's a lot like, of shades to Boston? Well, a lot, <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's kind of like a practice city. Yeah, <laughs> so it like,
0: felt like that. You like
1: you get your city legs while you're there, but I yeah. was like I knew I never wanted to stay there.
0: Oh my god, go and nobody school. like I don't know I don't know what you do if you're not really in school or like working in academia or working Yeah. Like
1: or for some, like, robotics company yeah, or something? Yeah,
0: some shit like that. It's I was only there for three years because I graduated a year early. Okay. But Berkeley is kind of weird because it's, like, mostly dudes. Because mm-hmm. it's a jazz conservatory, or it was, it's, like, morphed into something else at this point. But when I was there, it was, like, a jazz thing. And, like, people were just starting to do, like, music production and stuff like that there. Okay. But uh, it was a weird experience because it was a lot of dudes who were, like, you know, you go from, like, your hometown where like i'm the only person who listens to this kind of music oh, to like right, yeah. a school full of like people who are like yeah i love radiohead and like suddenly that becomes
1: right you go from being the unique kid to, yeah like, being so like everybody else yeah that's crazy
0: it was just a funny experience and it was like a lot of like white people um i don't know there was pockets of diversity but like mm-hmm. you know I didn't sing, like, any soul music, right? So I didn't, like, fit in with that group. Mm -hmm. And I studied classical opera for, like, 10 years before going to Berkeley.
1: Holy shit.
0: So I was like, I'm going to start singing jazz, and then I'm going to do, like, music business stuff. And, like, it just was, like, this weird experience where I was like, I actually don't know if I want to do this, but I'm just going to, like, move to New York when I'm done and, like, try to work in the industry. And then I just did for a little bit, and then didn't it's just so weird yeah to think about that wow. I've, i feel like i've had like 20 lives and i'm like not old enough to
1: yeah sometimes i feel like that too <laughs> when you especially because i feel like we're at the age now that like we're still incredibly young like yeah we're so young but we have enough experience in the city and like the quote-unquote scene where mm-hmm. like if you even look back like a year or two years you're like holy shit i've been five different people i know of this time
0: i really feel like that yeah It's such a weird thing because I was like, I'm never going to perform again. I'm going to move to the city. I'm going to work for like a record label or like a management group or something. And I was like, never going to perform. Wow. At all. And I I really wanted to be like, cool chick at the record label. Just like going to shows. (laughs) Yeah, just like doing (laughs) shit like that. And it just like, it didn't pan out for, it just never panned out. It was always like, it's hard to get a job in general, but Mm -hmm. it's like hard to get a job If you're not like well connected and like cool, like now I feel like if I had the attitude like I have now when I was first moved to the city when I was 21, Mm. I think I could have gotten a job, but I was so like, I'm 21, I like never drink at bars until a week (laughs) ago, and now I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> like it was just very yeah, you like you would
1: have like bah! you would have held onto it so tightly that it choked in your hands. And
0: that's like, literally like basically what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah everything... No, I think
1: that's a common thing for <laughs> for most people because yeah. I, I I was literally just saying to someone last night like uh, low key I regret going to college at all. Like I feel like if I had just gone to New York after high school and done what I'm doing right now, I'd be yeah. a lot further along. But I hadn't considered what you're talking about, which is like. I would have been an eight, the eighteen-year-old shithead that I was, and probably would have done a lot of damage to exactly. myself.
0: Exactly. I've like met some younger people who skip college, and like every, I, they're like great. But I also think that there's some socialization that happens in college, and there's like, mm. there's something like necessary of hanging out with people your own age for a little bit mm. right after high school. Um, and I think that if you step into this world of comedy, where there's people who are 35 to like even like an older hanging out with an 18 year old Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like life experiential differences and uh i truly believe that like when you're 18 hanging out like that's fine i know a lot of people done it i'm also like obsessed with eve babbitts who is like this like la writer who talks about like being 18 in hollywood Mm -hmm. and like it's like this sort of she's Not, like, a groupie, but I'm not really sure what another term for it would be. But she's this amazing writer, and she talks about these experiences as a young woman in Hollywood. Wow, I got to read that. It's really, like, she's a really great writer, and I'm really obsessed with her. And she's also super fucking funny. Um, But I'm, like, personally glad that I, like, went to college and, like you know dated a dude who was like only a year older than me but like was very like he like went to harvard and he was like this like Mm. nice boy harvard boys (laughs) he drove like a mini cooper (laughs) and like his family was like so white it was so amazing um his but like his dad went is australian okay and uh he well he's british and then moved to australia and grew up in australia then he went to harvard and his dad's like way old and I remember, like, they would rent a beach house in Rhode Island every year. Wow. Yeah, they were like fancy. So people. you caught one of like the waspiest.
1: People uh, yeah, on the planet. That's I really crazy. did.
0: And then I remember one Easter, I'd never celebrated Easter in my life, and because my family's Hindu, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I like got drunk with his dad, and you know it was like time to eat, and his mom like brought out this like ham it was like a full ham and i had never seen a ham before mm-hmm. and i screamed oh my a ham and everyone was just kind of like all right we get it he like brought the weird ethnic girl to <laughs> to eat
1: okay i i had to stifle myself from, <laughs> from interrupting you because i have like a really so i so my so i'm on my mom's side i'm peruvian on yeah. the other side it's just like super irish like both, my mom's an immigrant, but my both my Irish grandparents are also immigrants. So like, not a lot of American roots. Mm -hmm. But but like, uh, so ham was never a thing, because I grew up in like a Peruvian house. Mm -hmm. But my, so my Irish grandma, Every like Christmas, every like holiday time, would mail us in a fucking like freezer box, yeah, a full fucking ham, a full ham, a full ham. And every year, like she she died a couple years ago, so no more ham. But like every year, my mom would just turn to us and just be like, "Give a like <laughs> what? What is this?" Ham? Oh my not, god! And we n- never ate it. We would always like find somebody to give it to. Holy shit! I do not understand ham.
0: I just well, so I get like really obsessed and excited by things. So I was like eating ham for like two weeks, like leftover <laughs> Easter ham, just
1: like super stoked You're about like, it. I need to experience this. Yeah,
0: I get like really obsessed with things. Like when I was younger, I had this, so we had like a live-in nanny because my dad was away for a few years when I was younger. Okay. And she made, so, okay, again, this is like, I got really excited about ham as like a semi-adult. Okay. <laughs> as a child, she made us tuna fish casserole. Holy shit. And I became just wild about it and would have to have it at least like once or twice a week wow it's just like i don't know what that necessarily means about me but like there's something there's something about that where i'm like i am just i just get really excited about like the most caucasian american things like (laughs) i got really excited about ham i got really excited about tuna fish casserole yeah
1: Uh, i guess just because they were so like foreign to you
0: yeah it was just like this thing that i was like
1: yes I don't think I've ever had tuna fish cast. Oh, my
0: God. I cannot imagine ever eating that shit again. But I was, like, wildly obsessed with it. And the woman who was, who, like, lived with us and was my caretaker for a few years, Mm -hmm. she ended up moving to Park Slope. Okay. And when I first moved to New York, she, like, put in my air conditioner and everything. My most recent apartment, she moved me in. Uh, She, like, drove the U-Haul. Because I kept posting on Facebook, like, hey, any tips for driving a U-Haul? And then she called me (sighs) and was, like listen, you're not driving a U-Haul. She was like, I've known you since you were seven years old, like you're not gonna fucking drive
1: a U-Haul. Wow, that's amazing to yeah. have that kind of person in your life.
0: Yeah, she like drove the U-Haul with um my friend Ari Zanelli and then my friend Ryan McCormick. The, mm. She had like the three, it was like she had me like sit by the U-Haul and then had like Ari and Ryan just like lift everything into the U-Haul and then wow. unpack everything. Wow. Yeah, and uh she just will like talk about it. She was like, we were all in the car in the U-Haul and she goes, Arthur you still fucking love this dumb shit i would make her It was like literally like a fucking can of tuna and pasta and then like they were just like what is wrong with you <laughs> i used to like eat that shit up but wow. yeah it was funny she lived in the same apartment for like I, I don't know like almost 15 years she just moved uh to texas actually
1: whoa yeah. okay wow yeah any particular she, reason or um
0: she's just been living in new york for a really long time mm. um and especially in the same apartment and yeah. There's something nice about like moving out of the city as an adult. I think like she has a car, she has a pool. Yeah. she's like, you know, she's able to bartend and like make more than enough money to survive. Whereas That's like great. here, you can't like necessarily do that that well. Yeah, it's yeah. a
1: tough place to just maintain and survive.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So we, I, we. I love what we were doing, but this is so different from the other episode. Really? Like, I didn't ask you any of the like the questions I usually do, but I don't give a shit.
0: I'm like, let's talk about tuna fish casserole. <laughs> I'm
1: into it. I'm into it. I literally gave you a five-minute speech before we started recording about like, it can be whatever we want. <laughs> uh, but just so um, my listeners, AKA, they're mostly my mom's friends. Uh, so hi, my mom's friends. So just for their benefit, yeah. let's just like, uh, welcome to La Club. Yeah. Just give us a quick little, what I always ask first for people is uh just uh where are you from and where are your parents from cool
0: all right so i'm from central jersey right outside of princeton um, and both of my parents are from India. So my dad grew up in what used to be a village is like now more of like a town, uh, Vijayvada. And then my mom grew up in Hyderabad, which is like a bigger city. Okay. Um, it's like called like high tech city. There's like a lot of like tech companies, mm-hmm. um, that are now hanging around there. Mm-hmm. So most of my family is still in India. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I have like two sets of cousins, Uh, and my dad's one of 10, so Uh, I only have, only one of his sisters lives in the States.
1: Yeah, my mom's one of six, and she's the only one who moved here. Really? So I totally get the feeling of like, wow, my entire family is thousands of miles away. Yeah, it's
0: so weird. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's really strange, and it's hard to, you know, WhatsApp is great, but it's hard to like really like be in each other's lives yeah Uh, and it feels really isolating
0: it is weird well and also like time differences like i can never know anyone in india really and then every time i go i'm like i have no idea what's happening
1: is that how how often do you go
0: i mean i can't even afford to go the tickets are like over a thousand dollars round trip Mm -hmm. um last time i went was 2011 to 12 so i went uh from like december to january and that um and that was like before my last semester of college, so that was like the last time I went. But my grandma visits like almost every year. Gotcha, that's nice. Yeah.
1: Has she been visiting since you were a kid? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And when did your parents come here?
0: I think 1985. My dad moved to Jackson Heights. Okay. Um, with his like batchmates.
1: What? Just, like, what?
0: Batchmates. <laughs> it's so funny. Yesterday I was explaining this to someone because okay, so Maya Deshmukh, who's like another Indian comedian. Uh-huh. I was trying to explain to her that like someone in the audience was my dad's batchmate's daughter and then everyone was like what's a batchmate and then Maya goes that's the fobbiest thing which like you know to be fobby mm-hmm. is like like I don't know like super cliche like indian kid of sorts and so batchmate means that my dad went to IIT Mumbai and he had uh like his the people who graduated with him
1: Oh gotcha so
0: it's like their batch Batch. okay and interesting. so like everyone's always like my like GB is batch it's a batchmate. Wow, yeah. I've never heard
1: that before. That's awesome.
0: I know. So I keep saying that and then Maya's like, Nobody knows what you're talking about, you idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Well
1: <laughs> I guess I'm gonna explain it. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: That's great. So what so what do your parents do?
0: They're both computer engineers. Wow. Um my dad I think is more on like the tech side of things and uh-huh. my mom does a lot. She's moved into uh project management Gotcha. yeah
1: and here you are the poet comedian performance <laughs> artist yes yeah, just what they expected me <laughs> to pop out of <laughs> how are they how, are they cool about it i are they confused like
0: i think for a while they were deeply confused what i'm doing mm. um so you know i started singing and then my mom was like this will look great on her ivy league college like, ah, application right right, right. The and extracurriculars. the extracurriculars start them out young, mm. and then as I moved into middle school, I was like, "Oh, I like really like singing," mm. and, and then once I learned that you can go to college for singing, I was like, "I really want to go to college for singing." So I applied for like half my schools for like music, and then the other half for like right. Like I think mostly I applied to go to school for math. Mm. Um, and then when I got into Berkeley, I was like, "I have to go." Uh,
1: and where? How did they feel about that?
0: They were. It was. It was a tension of sorts, like there was a tension of mm. like, you know, what are you gonna do with it? And then I was like, Well I'm gonna work for like a record label. So there was this moment of like, it's kind of business y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and in their mind they are like, She's gonna work for Sony and be a CEO and then like in my mind I was like, I'm gonna work for like, you know, like Girl Punk like yeah, record label Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> like I'm gonna make nobody. Uh so I really don't And even when I moved to New York, they were very like, what's happening? Um, But yeah, I don't think they really fully were on board until probably about two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think once I started actually doing comedy and stuff, they were like, okay. And then I went to grad school, got my master's. Yeah. Um,
1: Which was in what?
0: Performance studies. Whoa. So I went to Tisch. Wow. Yeah. What? The fuck was that like? It's like my, pro- like my, like, master's project was um, approaching a decolonial aesthetic through nonverbal performance. Okay. Mapped through Solange screaming at the Guggenheim. What? <laughs> <laughs> what, dude? Yeah. So like, I'm interested in like, basically, it's like decolonial aestheticism is like a an approach to like curation of mm-hmm. sorts, which is I think how I kind of got like my Housing Works thing because I like curate public events there. right? Um, so it's just like political performances, but decolonial aestheticism is like, what happens when, you know, like, so the Guggenheim didn't have an all black female retrospective until 2014. Mm. And, and it's also, it's a museum built on stolen land. Um, and it's a space where the people who built it weren't actually allowed to go into it when it was first built. Um, which is mainly POCs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, didn't have access to go see it. Um, and so, when Solange performs there, how is she like undoing uh,
1: violence, gotcha.
0: systematic violence, wow. and the history of violence against black women specifically wow. in art spaces? That's incredible.
1: So, when, w- were you already <laughs> doing comedy when you were in grad school?
0: Yeah. Oh. I had been doing comedy for like four years before grad school.
1: Okay. So, yeah. that started when? When you came to New York or while you were still in Boston?
0: Um, I didn't do comedy until like three years into me living here. Okay. Two or three years. Yeah.
1: So what was the impetus for that?
0: I was in like this horrible relationship Mm -hmm. and I was kind of stuck and it didn't feel horrible a lot of the times, but there was like big things that happened that I was like, um, really internalizing and not going to therapy and like thinking about it really. And I was just like unhappy with a lot of things in my life. So I like saved up my coins and took an improv class. Nice. And then, you know, months later I took another one and then I just like ended up meeting um, my best friend there and then he like helped me get out of the relationship and then it was just like, I, like, moved in with him and my other friend, and then we just... That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so funny how... I mean, it's,
1: like, I've, not the, the specifics of it aren't common, but, no. like the, the whole, like, experience of, like, oh, I'm kind of, like, this wayward. Like, I know I'm creative, but I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. I kind of had the same experience, because I like, when I was younger, I was, like, thought I was going to be, like, a theater, yes, actor, a theater like a, actor like a serious a shakespearean i was <laughs> like i read so much shakespeare and i was like this is gonna be my whole life
0: whoa like, that's so weird yeah man. i love
1: that uh but but like uh like i quickly came to realize that i th- the culture of that i really just despise yeah. so then like and i would go see comedy shows sometimes when i was in high school because mm-hmm. i grew up just north of here uh so that like felt like a, a middle ground between like the slacker that I was and (laughs) and the, like, actor that I wanted to be. Uh, And, like, improv's cool, but, like, I don't really do it anymore. I don't do it
0: anymore at all. (laughs) I
1: I do it, like, on occasion, on occasion. Uh, But, like, I I feel like it was a good springboard into, like, figuring out my voice and stuff.
0: Definitely. And I think that it's easier to make friends doing improv versus stand-up initially, initially when you're first starting, Mm. because it's automatically, like, a group thing right yeah and you have to like communicate with the
1: group yeah there's built-in community to it
0: yeah and like i don't know like a lot of people i i, I don't know It's just if people love it you'll love it mm-hmm. but i don't know Once by the time i was on lloyd night i was like over it before i even got on yeah i wasn't even gonna audition
1: right, i forgot you were on lloyd night that was yeah, a while back that right? was
0: such a while back and it was such like a weird experience to be like i was like always just like the person that i was like i don't really care about these <laughs> notes <laughs>
1: Sometimes that's the best way to be, though, like especially with comedy stuff. Like, just uh, the right amount of not giving a shit can get you really far.
0: Maybe, maybe that's what the attitude was that they're like, "Fine, we'll put her on. She doesn't, (laughs) she doesn't give a fuck."
1: That might have been it. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So, when did the switch start happening from improv to stand up?
0: Um, pretty much, like immediately I started. So when I like met this person, we. Uh, we moved in together. It was, like, me, Ryan, and Julie moved in together, and Mm -hmm. then we started this show called Ryan Live, where Ryan hosted this, like...
1: I remember that Yeah, this, like,
0: strange late-night thing where he was, like, all our friends can do, like, characters and sketches. Mm -hmm. And so I would, like, do weird characters, and uh, it would be, like, a little bit further in that I was, like, I really want to... Like, I went to my first open mic, which was hosted by... Well, my first open mic where I actually met friends. She mm. was hosted by Naomi Reggae and it was okay. called Mouthy, and it was all women. And then I met like all these women. And then I host, I put together the show for New York Anti Violence Project, like six months after I got out of a relationship that I was sexually assaulted in. Mm. Um, and I did stand up there and I I don't know, it just like it just happened almost immediately. I was already doing stand-up. Bef- and which is why I was like, I'm not going to um, audition for Lloyd because it's like not something I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, you can you should just do it because you just like you have like the it's like if you take a class in a year it was like the shtick. I don't like, remember what the rules were at the time. The
1: rule for like being eligible. to being, audition. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah, and like
0: it was, I, it was some. I
1: never even auditioned for teams there. I just like I took the classes, but yeah. I was like, I don't want to I don't want to pay money to do that. <laughs> it was
0: just like something that I was like, well, this is the last time I'll be able to auditioned for this. Mm. And so then I auditioned and then I was like, I don't really give a fuck. And yeah, then yeah. they were like, you're on it. And I was like, cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was like, okay. And like, it was fun because I liked my team a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone on my team wasn't just an improviser. Like, I think there was like maybe a couple of people who were just improvisers, which is great. But, you know, like, I met like, I became close with like Elise Morales and like Bailey Edwards. And mm-hmm. like, those are people who like, write shit and do a bunch of different shit. So, yeah. It was, like, Sam Naismith. Sam Naismith and I on a team is insane.
1: (laughs) I only met him a couple of times, but yeah, I I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh,
0: And then they cut me and I got the note that like, I have trouble like blending in, in a lot of scenes. I kind of just like. What does that mean? I would like walk out and like something would be happening and I just like walk out and say something random and like leave.
1: (laughs) Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, and then two days later, I got offered to do uh, my own show at UCB East, like a monthly show.
1: Mm-hmm. Which was what?
0: Yourself, your body.
1: Which still runs, it's,
0: right? Well, we moved it to Union Hall. Right. Yeah. And so, so, tell us
1: a little bit about that show.
0: That's about dismantling body and mental health issues mm-hmm. by using like comedy. So we have people, you know, coming in and talking about injuries, or maybe it's like a personal story, or like. One time Tessa Scara did a song about masturbating with a coke bottle. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and like I've had like my friend who's a sex and drug educator come uh-huh. in and do like a presentation of different contraceptives that you can use.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and just like sexual health. Uh, we've had people do like dances and songs. It's amazing. Yeah, like it's it's a really really fun show and I think that I mean last last show we had like an amazing lineup and it was Everyone did, like, music and all these, and it ended with, like... It's just, like, a good, diverse show, Mm. and there's a lot of really great comedians if you just, like, ask them to talk about, like, hey, want to talk about, like, your body or mental health? And, like, they just end up doing, like, really cool shit.
1: Yeah, I I feel like... So, uh, I'm trying to find a way to phrase this question, but I guess I'll phrase it as generally as I can. Mm -hmm. So, how... How do you how do you think the scene has sort of has changed from when you were like primarily an improviser mm-hmm. like, to where you are now?
0: I mean, when I was doing improv, my indie team and I I love those boys so much, but it was me and four white men mm-hmm. who were like the dudes I was performing with all the time. Yeah, and now like years later, it's like you know, it's I'm not primarily surrounded by that, and mm-hmm. it's. And it's cool. And it's there's so many spaces to, like, tell different stories. Like, you know, I can go do Pooja Reddy and uh, Zubi Ahmed do the show Kuthi Gang, which is all South Asian performers. And I can, like, now write jokes or not even write jokes, just be able to perform the jokes that I have that are about being South Asian in front of people. And
1: have them hit in, like, the way you intend them to.
0: Exactly. Or I can, like, you know... I have, like, a bunch of jokes about, like, being queer and what queerness means. And, like, I'll get booked for, like, a queer poetry reading for whatever the fuck reason. Yeah. At, like, 5 p... The other day, I did a... I had a queer poetry reading at the basement of New Women's Space at, like, 4 p.m. on a Saturday. (laughs) Wow. And there was, like... a, a gig. Yeah. And I was, like, doing these jokes that I was, like, yeah, I couldn't have done the same things years ago. Right. But... I will say that being on that team with four boys every time I stepped out and be like typical white men they like immediately supported mm. like that was an experience that I wouldn't have been able to do stand up or like make the jokes that I make now like without having them fully like someone like sent us a set of ours once and I was like watching and it. it was so funny like every time I say something making fun of white men, they're just, like, totally on board and would, wow. like, lean into the trope of it, like...
1: It's a, uh, a, that's a depressingly rare response. <laughs> I know.
0: Yeah, it was... I was really, really, really lucky.
1: Yeah.
0: And, like, even now, they're still, like, totally supportive of me and, like, we'll just... I got really, really lucky because in most of my classes that wasn't happening, but, like, when we would do these indie shows, mm-hmm. it was this experience that's like the only reason why I'm able to like perform. Right, yeah. Because right, gotcha. I'm like, well, at least four white men understand my humor so I can now perform my jokes anywhere because I know that at least a small <laughs> percentage a, of white a, people. That's a good sample size to do. <laughs> yeah, <feel. laughs> for me, I feel confident in that. Do you
1: still, are you still playing shows for like mostly like white cis hetero rooms ever?
0: It just happens.
1: Yeah. What? It, what's the, how does that experience differ from like those mics that you really cherish or from, from your own shows? Mm-hmm.
0: I think that, uh, now I'm, like, unhinged.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: I feel so unhinged. I mean, like, from my, like, the things that I've experienced in terms of, like, assault and, like, even, like, bullying as a child and then, like, recently, like, through grief, it's like, oh, actually, like, I can just, like, really unhinge on stage. Like, mm. if someone doesn't laugh at something, I'll just be, like, I'll just, I'm not, like, Bullying the audience, but I'll be like, oh, well, of course you don't get it. Like, I look out in the audience and all I see is white light. Yeah. <laughs> you all look like slices of beautiful Wonder Bread, you know, like just gotcha. like, we, and it's like I have more fun and freedom to like play around with it. Yeah. But then I also have jokes that I'm like, this is like, this is for the women and this is for like the cis women in here. Mm-hmm. Or like, there's certain things that I'm like, if I know it's a white audience, I'll just like adjust it right. a little bit of what jokes I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, but, I'm like so unhinged at this point that I'm just like, I, I totally feel okay with like playing around the audience and I mean, being like, that's beautiful. Again, yeah. <laughs> that's like
1: the right amount of not giving a shit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, emotionally unhinged. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, so just because you like briefly mentioned it, I wanted to say, I wasn't sure if I was going to say this on bike no. or beforehand, like how, because I've seen you perform a couple times, mm-hmm. uh, just how um, thankful I am for the way you talk about grief in mm-hmm. your stuff, just because I've had a lot of people close to me die in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I'm, hi Sharon, who was my therapist, (laughs) I'm still working through the way I deal with that. And I I just love the way you talk about it and like very frankly address it on stage.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just did this show yesterday where like, uh, I talk a lot about grief and like, you know, I live alone. So like when everything was happening, I was alone really far away. I mm-hmm. live in really far South Brooklyn. Yeah. And like I love my neighborhood and I love where I live, but then like this year has been hard mm-hmm. to live alone because I also got like injured a bunch in December. Yeah,
1: I remember. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> it's
0: crazy. I got like a concussion and then a week later got hit by a car. Like it was just like a weird. It's been such a crazy year. But uh, so I wrote this show called Boogie on the Brink mm-hmm. and we have like Tim Platt playing a puppet that's my inner dialogue. Amazing. And I talk a lot about grief because um It's hard, but it's also, like, a really stupid experience.
1: I totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) I've been laboring. I've been trying really hard. I I started... Uh, writing this movie. I've never written, like, a full-length movie oh, before. Yeah, so
0: are you working with Erin Maloney on that? No, that was a different thing. Uh, no, movie. I was working
1: with her on a different thing. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but I, this is a thing I'm writing for myself that I don't know if I'll ever be able to make, but I just, like, feel like I have to write. Because my uh, my dad died when I was very young. Oh, shit. Uh, so, like, the grief has been, like, a con- and then a bunch of other people along the way, but, mm-hmm. like, that's sort of been the constant, like, presence for me and my mm-hmm. family. So, but I've always felt, like, Yes, it's this horribly sad thing. It's very tragic. Mm-hmm. And like people sort of treat you, they like walk on eggshells around yeah. you. Um, but I've always felt like there's something really like absurdly funny yeah. about it too. And I've been like desperately trying to write this like comedic movie about it. So when I see your stuff, I'm <laughs> like, oh, there's like hope for it.
0: I mean, it is so stupid. It's stupid because we know it's going to happen to everyone. But yeah. then once it actually happens, we're like we're suddenly shocked. shocked. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, you know, sure, it's shocking if someone leaves, quote-unquote, too soon, but who are you to decide it's too soon? Right. And it's all, like, so stupid. It's, like, even, like, my emotions for certain things. Like, mm. I'll just be, like, you know, one of, the, one of the jokes that I did yesterday was, like, uh, there was this one night that I was in a bar and then I went to the bathroom and there was, like, literal poop footprints coming out of the toilet and then was all over the stall. And on my way home that night... I cried because I wished my friend were alive that I could send him a photo of it.
1: Of a poop fo- Of a poop. Of a poop.
0: And, then I, and then the funniest bit of this whole thing is that when I tell people that, they're like, you could have texted me. Like, I'm always here for you. <laughs> oh my God, that's not like, what
1: it's about. <laughs> yeah. That's not
0: what it's about. It's one, not what it's about, but amazing that so many people are like, I'm always here to receive your shit footprint yeah. photos. <laughs> and I'm like, grief is so dumb and embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like important we talk about it because I, I don't know. It's just like it's everyone's like everyone goes through it, and if you if you don't, then you're a sociopath.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then you did not then care you do about not that care person about it at all. But I, <laughs> I
0: think it's just like a funny weird experience and like grief also doesn't necessarily mean like a death of a person. It could be like a death of a relationship. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. A death of a pet is a very interesting grief to think about. Even like the loss
1: of an important object. Yeah. You you know, like
0: uh, loss is something that's like continually happening
1: yeah, and like you said, it's a constant, like there is no avoiding it, and, Yeah. but we're somehow still so devastated yeah. by it every time it happens.
0: So devastated. Yeah. It's so stupid. I mean, myself
1: included. I'm acting like I'm talking about a group of people no, that I don't belong we to, all but are. no, absolutely. Yeah.
0: We all are just like sitting here, like just constantly losing this shit. And like the amount of time that like my whole fall I thought was going to be so shot to hell. Like I thought this year it was like, well, I'm not going to do anything mm-hmm. ever again And then, like, life just keeps moving. Like, two weeks later, like, these people from HuffPo were like, we're going to do this video feature. I remember that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, They had to come to my apartment because I, like, wasn't leaving my apartment. Wow. And so they came into my apartment and, like, there was, like, a full lighting crew interviewing me, (laughs) like, two weeks after my friend died. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> again, my response is like that's hilarious. That's hilarious. It's
0: so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, it's my day off, so I like get high at like nine a.m. just to like feel okay for the rest of the day. Could not
1: I? Couldn't, I, <laughs> I couldn't feel you harder because like the the way like again, what's up, Sharon? If you listen to this, but like the the way my grief has generally manifested in my yeah. life. Obviously, like it spikes in different ways at different points in your life, but in general. It's just like that, that like inescapable, like n- nothing I'm doing matters. Yeah. Feeling that, like, why do any of this? So, yeah. the idea of me having someone important die and then two weeks later, there's a film crew from Huffington Post yeah. in my apartment is so funny. And
0: it's also like my studio apartment. So, it's not a huge space. Right. But my space is filled with like objects. Like, my apartment is really crazy. Recently, mm. someone came in to take photos for like their interior design Instagram and she was just like, this is crazy how much crap you have. Like, I have two walk in closets because I just have so much crap and everything is all over my walls. I have a, I work at a bookstore so I have right. like really weird art books everywhere mm-hmm. and like just like objects. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like here's a stone from when I went to Salvation Mountain <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like what the fuck is your apartment? You
1: need to declutter this shit.
0: <laughs> I need to declutter it so bad but I feel so sentimental about everything. Mm. Like my walls are covered with notes. People mailed me and all this crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I had this whole crew and they were just like There's so much stuff in here. Wow. (laughs) They were just like, can I move this book? And I was like, let me use this. I'll keep it over (laughs) here. Like,. (laughs) I'm like, don't touch it. Don't you dare. Yeah, don't take it. Yeah. <laughs> don't steal my stones. Like literally, I was like, these are these are sea stones from Fire you Island. Be, you
1: became a Disney witch. <laughs> I really did. I was like, don't
0: touch the crystals. Like just like this crazy person. I was like, this book is from 1950, and I found it in a box in Park Slope. Like, oh my god. Everything is. I have a VCR in my apartment. A Why? TV with an attached VCR. Why? So here's What's how wrong crazy with you? <laughs> It's my childhood TV. Okay so and then what had happened? so I collect VHS tapes and then what had happened when I was living with Ryan, his mom gave me like a gar- like garbage bags full of VHS tapes all right. and they just kind of integrated with my collection I have already mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now I don't know which of these tapes are my dead <laughs> friends from childhood <laughs> and which were mine to begin with and so now I can't get rid of any of them because wow. they all like I don't know what is. What?
1: Well, there's a metaphor there. There, There's a metaphor. (laughs) Yeah, to to let go, or just like uh, how how it's become a part of you. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah.
0: Whereas like everyone walks in and they're like, "This is psychotic." I once had a boy over and we watched Independence Day because I was like, "We have to watch." I'm watching every film in alphabetical order that I in the
1: pile in the VHS pile. Yeah, I
0: was like, right now I'm on Independence Day, (laughs) and we watched Independence Day. And I was okay. like, this is when Will Smith appears. He's very sweaty. Oh
1: my god, it's one of the worst movies ever. It's
0: really bad, but it's like everyone in the movie, nobody is sweaty, and then Will Smith is like oiled up. <laughs> you gotta rewatch it. Okay, well, I will I so support it. Tis the I'll season. Right July fourth right. was a few weeks ago. <laughs> 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 Voting's coming up next year. It's oh, Tis the season, right. yeah. That's to right. Watch. Yeah,
1: it's the season to really watch Independence Day and get in the spirit to vote. Holy <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> Holy shit. That's good. I wanna put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: great i want 10 percent uh okay <laughs> i was trying to think of like oh what's like a cool like uh really woke question I yeah yeah ask. to be
0: like how does it feel to have parents as aliens uh-huh. you know because they're not oh well no my parents are actually
1: uh are they naturalized
0: they are citizens my mom got her citizenship they both did like the test or whatever the yeah shit. mine too But my mom did it when I was way younger. Mm -hmm. And then my dad actually like this weird thing happened. It's like this whole thing, but basically he wasn't able to get it until I was like 21. And it was like a huge deal because we didn't think he would ever be able to be a citizen.
1: About how young were you when your mom got it?
0: I mean, I think I was like, I must've been like three or some shit like that. But I think my parents were like, we'll always move back to India. And then now every time they go back, okay, my dad went back to India. This is so funny. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My parents went to India for December. The day that their flight was to India was the day a crock pot fell on my head and I got a concussion. Oh, that was that day? They were on their way to the airport. And I was like, I wasn't getting service in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there alone. So I like call my mom and she doesn't pick up unknown numbers. So I left a message. I was like, don't panic. But, you know, this is happening. But anyways, they go to India for a month because my dad wanted to get my dad needed to get dental surgery.
1: Oh, OK. yeah, And it was
0: cheaper there. Mm hmm but he wasn't allowed to eat for, like, three months because he, like, only soft food. Wow. Because he got, like, all new teeth. Holy shit. So he looks wild right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because he has, like, this, he has, like, you know, his his old dad face. Right, And then he, like, opens his mouth and he has, like, a whole new set. New set set of teeth? (laughs) Totally, completely. But they went for his fucking dental surgery. Wow. It was so weird. That's nuts. It was so weird. My brother, my mom, and my dad just, like, went to India and then, like... While they were in India, I got hit by a car. And because of the time difference, I didn't call them until it was morning there. Uh-huh. And my mom just cried and was like, was like I don't
1: know
0: what to do. Was she
1: pissed that you didn't call immediately?
0: No, she was just like, is everything all right? The Aww. funniest part of everything was she thought I was like, okay, so maybe this isn't funny. She thought I was suicidal and I was like running into traffic.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. So, Sharon, my insurance is (laughs) Blue Cross Blue Shield if you take it. Uh,
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. And I was like, I'm not gonna run into traffic to kill yeah. myself. That's like so vintage. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the criticism moment. It's too retro. It's
0: too retro, I'm, not in a cool way. If I'm gonna way. kill
1: myself, it would be really
0: awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like not even in a cool way. I'm gonna run into traffic when I have the walk sign. Oh like, my god. yeah.
1: Oh my god. It
0: was so funny. Wait, so
1: when you? So I guess you were too young because I was like. I think I was like maybe six or seven when my mom got naturalized. Yeah. I remember going to the ceremony because she like passed the test. Da, da, yeah, da, yeah, we Went to the courthouse uh, and I just, I it's like a really shameful memory for me because I was so like, bored and pissed off of course and i was just like in the corner on my game boy advance like i hate this oh
0: my god
1: i want to I go hang out with my friends i don't get this i don't understand <laughs> while while like my mother is like being sworn in as a citizen of the united holy states holy shit <laughs> but i was just too young and i always think back on that because like now when i think about that it's a very meaningful thing yeah and i just think about what a fucking shithead. kids I are was. all
0: shitheads though yeah. i mean so i don't think i went to my mom i don't even remember my mom's but my dad's We didn't think he was going to get it. And then he finally got it. And then when he got it, his ceremony was at a minor league baseball game. (laughs) So it was really fun. Yeah. Why? I don't know, but it was really fun. In Jersey? Yeah. Okay. It was like in Somerset, whatever the baseball team is there. And it was so much fun.
1: That's fucking amazing. We
0: like went to the baseball game. My parents had never gone to a baseball game. Uh So, you know, they do the whole thing. And then mm, we don't even stay for the full game. My dad and I have, like, beers and hot dogs. My mom gets, like, wow, like so cheese you, fries. So you had a
1: really stereotypical American, yeah. American day.
0: Yeah, and then, like, 20 minutes in, my parents were like, this game is too long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love your parents. I used to be weirdly obsessed with baseball when I was a kid that I came to my senses, and I was like, this is awful. It's
0: so long. This is worse.
1: And it's also, like, America's pastime, but all the players are Dominican and Puerto Rican. I know! It's ridiculous. Ugh,
0: I've only gone to one major league game, and it was the Mets and I went with five white men Mm. and
1: did they support you when you made moves calling out white men
0: I just kept screaming and they were like that nothing is happening
1: (laughs) because nothing's ever happening exactly
0: I just like kept screaming. I was like, catch the ball. And they were both just like, why did we bring this? I wore like a handkerchief, like a little like oh, necktie okay. thing. Very cool. I dressed like very cool to the baseball game. <laughs> and everyone was like, what
1: are you doing? What the fuck? Yeah. Why are you like Instagram modeling at a baseball game? I had
0: like cool sunglasses and like red lipstick and like a cute dress and was like, hey boys. And they were like, what are you doing? You're
1: so embarrassing. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so I think we're like somewhat winding down on time. Cool. Um, so just because I asked earlier how you how you think the scene has sort of changed, how mm-hmm. would you how would you like to see it uh, continue to change in the next few years? I mean, I guess specifically in New York.
0: Yeah, I like. So I I think that it's great that like on these like lower ish levels things are changing, right? Yeah. Like we're just seeing more diverse shows over at Union Hall and like Bell House and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, But there's like this whole other half of comedy that exists that Mm. for some reason like are still heralded to when people come to visit New York, they're all going to like comedy cellar and stuff like that. Like I I don't know. I'm just like there's still so much expanding that like we need to do like Mm. between the horrible comedians that are allowed to be continuing to perform at these clubs that have more money for some reason. And I think it's because of tourism. I think yeah. it's because like people who live in Manhattan go to these places and yeah. that's where like the money is. I think
1: tourism is a huge part of it because yeah. when people come to New York, they're like, Oh, the comedy seller, like that's where I got to go. Yeah, yeah.
0: Cause it's just like the thing. And yeah. it's like the first thing that pops up into Google yeah. and like either the-
1: tourists or like bridge and tunnel people, exactly like Jersey people or Westchester people. Yeah,
0: or- exactly. And it's like, no one's going to like go to Park Slope if they're like visiting Manhattan, yeah. Yeah. right? Like people don't understand that like for me like I would love to see the places that hold the power aka money to like take an effort or take a note to to look at these like indie alternative scenes mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. and like f- you know find a way to like pay good people. Right. Cause it's like all fun and games to like do these like Bushwick shows and do these things. But like at the end of the day, like if you don't get like at least like 25 people at your Union Hall show, like you can't pay performers more than like 10, 15 bucks. Right. Yeah. And that's like nothing.
1: Yeah. But then I guess the fear become, well, that's always been the fear with any like indie art becoming commercial art. Yeah. Just like at what point does it getting into those spaces that hold power and money like how do you not let those spaces dilute the mm-hmm. message or dilute the art?
0: Well, I even think, like, not only those spaces, I guess, too. So, like, I know a lot of, like, standard—standard <clears throat> standard makes it sound like they're not good. But, like, I know a lot of diverse people who do, like, regular stand-up. Totally, yeah. I had and, them on the show. Yeah, yeah, and, like, they should be getting, like, top-tier spaces at that. And then for the people who are doing, like, weird theater pieces mm-hmm. and, like, you know you know, weird comedy spaces, like— there's, like, New York art institutions of theater that, like, like Judson, mm. you know, like, they do, like, experimental dance and poetry and stuff. Like, yeah. bring a comedy show and charge. There's a whole art community that holds money. Yeah. And they're not paying comedians because it's still this, like, lowbrow thing. But there's all this, like, cool, weird, like, music and theatrical things that are happening that, like, people should be paying more money for. Right? Like, Yeah. Only now are we seeing like Cat Cohen on late night and stuff right. like that, right like but there's so many people who are actually POCs and queer people um, that are doing that and not getting paid yeah but, and there's a lot of theater spaces that like have money like and theater collectives like I've done like dance pieces and I've gone to dance pieces where like you pay like 25 to 30 bucks. And that's great. Yeah. And people are doing that for these, like, dancers nobody really knows. Mm. But, like, what about comedy? Like, why aren't they bringing, like, these yeah. comedy pieces it's into It's especially
1: weird because comedy, maybe not specifically this type of, like, perform more performance art uh, geared comedy. But comedy in general has become such a huge, yeah. huge com- Every new person I meet is like, I love stand-up comedy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, okay. And I'm like, great. So maybe can you, like, pay for a go show? Go to a show, yeah, bitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, just
0: start screaming that. Yeah, I mean... And I'm like – it's funny that I'm even saying that because I'm not necessarily – I don't, like, consider myself, like, Mm -hmm. pro-capitalism. But, like, to survive, you need money. Yeah, you have to live in
1: the world. Yeah. Yeah. And so,
0: like, I just think that I would love to see good people who are around me, like, getting paid to, like, not have to, like, work these, like, horrible – office mm-hmm. jobs that are just gonna treat you like shit in the end mm-hmm. yeah
1: i'm looking at one person that i want that for right yeah now. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like <"Ugh, laughs> uh just, so broke all the
0: time i mean and it's tough and it's soul-sucking and it's like it's rejection is already hard when we go to auditions like why do we always have to mm-hmm. i don't know i've just been thinking about this so much because like yesterday i was like no one's gonna show up to my show and i'm like why am i stressing about this <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and like, did people show up yeah people
0: showed up but I'm also like not good at marketing and it's like someone was like maybe you should pay someone to do it. and I was like I don't have
1: money yeah and then that gets into the whole well that's also just true of everybody in the age of social media but yeah. I feel like especially with artists it's like you're not you're not just an artist you have to be an artist and a photographer yeah. and a media company and, and a, a model market, <laughs> and a model and a marketing <laughs> company
0: recently you yeah. have to be a model yeah if you're not a model that then you can't do comedy that is for sure a thing yeah that's for sure that thing. is for sure what I've been thinking recently but like I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I was like, I didn't get into comedy to like be a like a good looking person. Mm. I came because I'm really abrasive and opinionated. <laughs> I came because I'm opinionated.
1: I came because I want to see the yeah, yeah, yeahs in yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. It's always just 14 year old me, the older I get, the more I feel like I've, turn into 14 year old me
1: there's that's a a beautiful there's a a, i think i've mentioned her on the show before but jill bernard who's like an amazing comedian Mm -hmm. she runs a mostly improv but they do other stuff theater in minneapolis Mm -hmm. and i i took a workshop from her over the summer and she does this uh exercise that always ends up being really heavy it's Mm -hmm. always a room of comedians but it always gets really heavy where she just like sits you down on stage with somebody in a chair in front of you and you have to talk to them like they're yourself when you were 13 oh shit and it always gets really emotional but uh i but i think like it speaks to the fact of like you want to like we're all trying to nurture who that person was because there's a lot of value to that person.
0: yeah you know, she was cool. She like threatened her cousin that she's was, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the train alone and go to this show. And he was like, Calm down, you little weirdo. <laughs> He's like ten years older than me. He has like two kids now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the first person in my family or the first person I saw who married a white woman, like who married a white person. Shit. Yeah. So it was like a it was like a weird thing for me to be like, Oh, you can you can do that. Yeah. And then three months later I like like dated someone for the first time, and it was like that white
1: WASPy was a, boy. A, wow. Yeah. Wow. So that cousin made a big, big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He lives in Greenpoint. We still hang out. Actually, his, uh his best their their like best friend uh, was my gynecologist, and I had uterus surgery last year, and their best friend
1: uh <laughs> <Holy shit. laughs>
0: performed uterus surgery
1: on me. What, last a year. <laughs> what a community you built. Oh What a community you built.
0: What a weird thing for me to say on a podcast. Oh my
1: god! Please. <laughs> also, this is like fifty minutes in, so like, who knows who? <laughs> who knows
0: who's gonna be in, like this far <laughs> in? Well, Spencer, if you're listening,
1: uh, shout outs to Spencer. Shout outs to
0: Spencer. <laughs> I do like a whole comedy bit about him, and That's uh, great. yeah, he probably thinks I'm crazy because I was like, I need to bring my book into surgery because I was like, I don't, I have Like your think...
1: notebook or your reading, book like my reading book because okay. I didn't
0: believe like I was gonna fully go under. So I was like, I'm a heavyweight. Like, a lot of people think I'm a lightweight, but I can, <laughs> I can handle Listen, my anesthesia. I can hold my anesthesia, <laughs> <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> Just because I'm a tiny Indian
1: woman. <laughs> oh, my God. It was good. Okay. Uh, is there anything we haven't touched on that you uh, feel the need to address for all of my mom's friends?
0: <laughs> I'm actually a really good kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really good kid. I feel like I mentioned weed, but I don't really go past weed.
1: Oh, I, I've mentioned weed many, many okay. times on this show. I I'm don't a good. To worry
0: about I'm that. a good influence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nice girl.
1: Great, wonderful. <laughs> uh, is, so, what, is there anything you want to plug? Because this will come out fast.
0: Okay, cool. Um, I'm right now doing a Kickstarter to pre-order my next poetry book. Yes. Um, and it's called Boys I've Kissed and Hated. Uh, and Kickstarter's also throwing me a launch party in September for the book. Oh shit. Um, so even though we're like, even if we are close to goal, it's still helpful to pre-order so I know how many to directly get from the printer. Okay, and it guarantees you a book Hell and yeah. tickets to this party and it's gonna be really fun. and you can follow that at a r t i f a r t y poems R-D party poems.
1: beautiful. yeah. Amazing. Artie, Ooh. thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Hell yeah. I hope we get to see you again soon. Yeah, you will. Okay, bye. And that's it for this week's episode of La Mescla. Thank you so much to Artie Galapudi for coming in. Thank you to AdLarge Studios for having me here. Uh, thank you to everybody who's listening uh, and subscribing and reviewing the show. Uh, as always, it means a lot that uh it means a lot that anybody engages with this thing uh and please uh please encourage other people to listen uh if you have any interest in being on the program feel free to shoot me a direct message on instagram at la mezcla pod Uh, and make sure to follow us on all platforms support the show uh and there will be a new episode next week okay goodbye humans